Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to another CMYK podcast. My name is Matt, and we are so excited and honored that you would continue to listen and support and be a part of this experimental church and community in Billings, Montana. Before we get going, I got a couple key things I want to make sure that you know about. First and foremost, on March 1st, we have this thing coming up called a core community meeting. CMYK is not just made up of a couple people or voices that you hear on this podcast, but it's really made up of this collective community, people from all different backgrounds and spaces and places and beliefs coming together to find a more beautiful way forward together. And this core community uh, are the people within our community that have raised their hands and said, I want to have a voice, a seat at the table to help influence and talk about what this thing is and where we are headed. And so this core community meeting on March 1st is an opportunity to get that community, the core community together to talk about some of these key things for us. And so that's coming up and we hope that you would be a part of that. Our hope is to see more and more people, more and more variety and diversity uh, at the table to help us uh, create this beautiful thing in Billings. So it's at 1.30 p.m. That's a Sunday afternoon on March 1st. It's going to be at Craft Local, where we're currently meeting. And I hope that you get that on your calendar because it's going to be a great time. It's just, it's been beautiful every time we've done it. And I really, really hope that you can make it. The second thing I want to mention is that we've got a little bit of a different schedule in the coming weeks for us for our Sunday gatherings. We are going to be taking next Sunday off because of this thing called the Super Bowl. And originally, we weren't going to take it off. Uh, we were going to still going to gather at 5 p.m. on Sunday. But we just thought, you know, at the end of the day, this really is an American holiday. And there's so many people that have parties and plans and different things that are going on that we just felt like, okay, I think maybe the best thing to do is to just say, hey, go be community. Go connect with people around uh, this football game if you want to, or some food or some commercials, whatever the Super Bowl is for you, but that you would have that opportunity to do that. So we will not be gathering next Sunday, February 2nd. And then the Sunday after that, February 9th, was already a planned Sabbath gathering for us because of a lot of different things and details happening uh, within the CMYK community and then my life personally as well. And so we're going to have two Sundays off. So no Sunday gathering the next couple weeks. But on February 2nd, Super Bowl Sunday, we are going to be releasing a podcast uh, where Seth and I are actually going to sit down and talk about uh, a favorite story together and kind of have a conversation about that. I think it's going to be really great and unique and fun. And so uh, make sure to tune in to that podcast. It'll be released next week after we record it. But there are no Sunday gatherings for the next two Sundays, and then we will be back on February 16th, I believe, is that Sunday. Other than that, thanks again for tuning in. We're going to jump into the talk. If, as always, you need anything, make sure to reach out to us. You can find us at cmykchurch.com. And as always, thank you to those of you that continue to give financially to this community, bringing your voice on that level uh, to this space as well. It's such a beautiful thing uh, that we are able to continue to gather and do the things that we're doing. And give away everything that we can give away because of those of you that are choosing to give, whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift of any amount. Uh, it's, it's a huge thing, helps us plan, helps us kind of point ourselves in a right direction for what we know is coming financially. So thank you to those of you that are giving. If you're interested in being a part of that, you can find a donate button at cmykchurch.com. All right, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Seth Hirschkorn has something really special planned. Um, so we've been doing this series called Stories and uh, I really like this series because what Matt and I are doing is kind of cherry picking our favorite stories 
My story for you today um, was one of my favorites for a long time, and then it wasn't, and then it became one of my favorites again. Um, and I've always wondered what makes a story so good. Like, why do certain stories tug at us? And why do certain stories um, bring things out of us? Alan and I talk about this all the time, that everybody has a story and they all matter, but for some reason, the best stories always rise to the top and they stick around. Uh, John Steinbeck once said in his book, East of Eden, he said this. He said, if a story is not about the hearer, he will not listen. And here I make a rule. A great and interesting story is about everyone or it will not last. The strange and foreign is not interesting, only the deeply personal and familiar. And so there's a reason that stories like the ones in the Bible or the Epic of Gilgamesh or the Iliad or the Odyssey or the Bhagavad Gita, these stories last because they're about us. These stories carry on through time because they're about us and, and, and this is who we are. So tonight, I'm going to tell you a story about us, that this is, this is our story. It starts with this group of people called the Israelites being released from captivity in Egypt, that there's a God who shows up for them and they are released from Egypt and they're wandering through the desert and God is just providing one thing after another for them. First, it was freedom from slavery. Then at times it's food. Other times it's protection. Other times it's leadership through, through people like Moses. But there's this thing happening for them where life is good. Life is changing. It's trending up and to the right. Everything feels right in the world because they're headed towards something. And I read this story and I love this feeling because I've, I've been there before. Uh, back in uh, 2014, uh, Michaela and I had this opportunity to hang out with some friends at their little family cabin tucked away near Georgetown Lake. There's a little tiny lake called Echo Lake. And it was our friends, John and Nicole, and we went with them to this lake for a weekend. And um, one morning I snuck away early to go sit on the dock and I grabbed a cup of coffee. And it was this beautiful summer morning on the lake and I sat there and it was peaceful and it was serene. I could hear birds and I could, the water wasn't moving. So everything was perfect and peaceful. And I thought about my life back at home, back in Billings. And I thought about how everything was good. My marriage was good. My friendships were great. I loved my job. The bills were paid. The heat was on. Everything was good. And I, I just remember this moment of intense serenity and goodness. And part of me wonders if the Israelites, after they leave Egypt and there's this God who continues to show up and provide for them, I wonder if they have that same feeling. The universe, they say, is made up of vibrations. And, and, and sometimes I wonder if these vibrations align in certain ways to give us these feelings, like whether it's a good song or something that is the vibrations are all happening at the right time. But, but I love this because I'm going to use some vibrations tonight to tell a story. And so what I wonder is if in 2014 on the dock, I got to experience something very similar to the Israelite people something that maybe felt or sounded something like this. And be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, and not be all else to me save that thou art. 
When thou my best thought by day or by night Waking or sleeping, thy presence, my light. See, there's these times and these feelings when everything's firing on all cylinders, things are good. And the Israelite people in the Old Testament have this weird ebb and flow through this goodness. And we do too in life. There's these moments where everything seems to be put together and we have the right words for the right song and we feel it and we agree with it. And I love this. I love that we get to experience it. But as we've talked about good stories before, especially my time with Alan, every good story requires some conflict or else it probably wouldn't be a very good story. And so there are times in our lives when the story begins to shift and change. That, that the sound of the story or the sound of the song starts to take on a different tone. Things begin to happen that are out of our control. And so the main part of this story tonight is about a guy named Moses. Where there were things out of his control that happened and he had to re-examine life and look at it in the midst of the story changing. And the story starts in Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So, that all, the pe- so all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. In order, that I may, in order that I may make a great nation out of you. But Moses implored the Lord, the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say that with evil intent did he bring them out and kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and all this land that I have promised. I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster and he, that he had spoken of bringing on his people. You might think to yourself, why? <laughs> Do you love this story? There's this character named Moses 
who is having these interactions with God on Mount Sinai and while he's gone, the people create a false God and worship it. Every time I've heard this story told and even the times that I've told it before, we focus on the people creating this false God. But again, I think the story is about us and the guy in the position in front of God. That you have to think where Moses has been, that he's been in this place where everything has God that God has said he was going to do, he did. He brought them out of Egypt, he's provided miracles, he's done all these things, and Moses was at the center of it all. So Moses is God's guy. And all of a sudden there's this curveball, there's something out of his control, there's something that happens that makes God change in some ways. That Moses wasn't ready for this version of God. That Moses like, we just did all this work bringing these people out. We did this together and now you just want to throw in the towel? You want to wipe all of them out? That's my family. That's my friends. Those are your people. What are you doing? Who are you? And Moses, with his tail between his legs, has to go down Mount Sinai to the people. And I think of all the emotions that I would have in this situation. Frustration, fear, anxiety, worry, bitterness, resentment, sadness. And Moses has to trek down this mountain to a group of people and figure this out. And as the song shifts and changes, the vibrations change, the story takes on a different tone. And I wonder if for Moses, the story or the the song sounded something like this. my wisdom and thou my true word and I ever with thee and thou with me Lord and thou my great father and I thy true son and thou in me dwelling and I with thee one See, there's a, there's a desperation now. Have you ever been in that place, that space where you said you believe something and you say it out loud and you try and own it, but deep down it's not real? Where all you can communicate is a lie, but you have to put on a good face. And part of me just wonders if Moses has to trek back down this mountain with that in mind. This desperation. That things are changing, the rug's been pulled out, And all of a sudden, the God he thought he once knew might be changing also, and he maybe doesn't know what to do. This happened to me on May 20th, 2015. I find that it's really powerful in my life to be able to pinpoint these times when things start changing. But May 20th, 2015, we were coming to the end of our year as a youth group before we would take the summer off. I remember stomping in that night very frustrated and angry because there was this feeling I had that I wasn't doing things right by my students. And some of you may have heard this story before. So Jake Demeray, who's over there in the corner, was my right-hand man and my confidant. And I storm in and Jake knows something's wrong. He's like, what's going on? And I say, I said, Jake, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) And he's like, what are you talking about? You can't do what? Be a a pastor? Like, what, what are you talking about? And I said, 
I said, I feel like we're just assuming all the things that our students need. That we're just assuming all their spiritual needs and I can't do this anymore because this is not fair to them. I said, you and I are complex creatures. We need more than this. Like, like we need something different. He's like, what do you want to do? I said, I need you to haul two whiteboards into the auditorium tonight and I need two handheld mics and I'm just going to experiment with this thing. I'm going to ask people to share their greatest doubts, fears, struggles, insecurities, tensions between faith and life, all of it. I just want it on the table. I want to know what they're feeling and thinking. And Jake, being a good right-hand man, did as he was told, fought back a little, but he did just that. And so that night, we gather our students in, in the sanctuary and I tell them this spiel that I'm frustrated and I, I want to know more about them and where they're at. And so we start doing this thing called whiteboard night. And it's kind of weird at first because you're asking people to share some very intimate things. But this one kid named Caleb Bybee stepped up and he took the mic and he said, I think the first question or the first response I have on this slide, he said, I'm one in seven billion people. Oh, this kills me. God, every single time. I put all these questions, they look at them in City Brew. I cried like a baby for 10 minutes in City Brew. I'm one in seven billion people. I'm not valuable. And after that, just this, this torrent of, of questions, comments, thoughts just started spilling out of students and adults. Adults were also getting in on this. My prayers feel void and empty like no one's listening. What if I'm wrong? Can we lose our faith? What do I do if I have? God will never accept me. I don't, I don't like myself. Will God forgive me because I forgot him? I'm angry at myself because I can't overcome sin. That was a leader. Can I get the next set, Matt? Oh, thanks. I'm scared to let people in. I'm afraid of rejection. That was another leader. God doesn't care about me. How do I prove myself to God? Giving up is the only option. I don't believe that love is real. But if it is and I kill myself, will God love me? What if you can't forgive someone for something? I'm afraid of never being loved, never falling in love. And slowly, we're, we're writing these on the whiteboards. I remember just slowly, like my, this God I once, believe, I once believed in started getting so small because all I could think about, all I could, all I could do was go, God's not big enough for this. God can't be big enough for this. Shouldn't we be handling this? Shouldn't he be handling this? And then after an hour and a half of this, we get to the end and there's this one last statement that destroyed me much like I think Moses was destroyed by God where he was like let's start over let's clear the slate and Moses is like what are you doing and who are you and this was this was the question I I can't read it out loud I'm just gonna have you read it her name is Cynthia and at the time she was dating another girl in our youth group and we were like you can be here you can exist here and she asked this question and my God changed God changed and I didn't know what to do it was that moment that God changed and for the next year I had to sing this desperate song of lies that yeah God is good he's so great when the whole time God just kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and that night, I, I dismissed our students. And I said, you can go to your small groups. You can go home. It was a long night. And I remember just sitting in, the, in, in our sanctuary area, just weeping. Because there's this big, mighty, powerful God that we've built for these students. And yet, he still hates you. 
And I wonder if Moses had to build this big, mighty, and powerful God for these people only to realize he still hates them. And I wonder if for how many of you, you've had the moment where you've had to interact with God and you realize that the God you believe in is not big enough. That he's some, he or it is something other than what you thought. So Moses has to trek back down the mountain with what I only assume these feelings about God that are crumbling. And I could be wrong. But when I read this story, this is what I feel. So Moses has to go down and do some pretty atrocious stuff to the camp. He goes down to the camp. He gathers up some people. They, they slaughter people who did this. 3,000 people. They just kill them. And it seems like it's begrudgingly because he goes down and says, well, this is what God commanded and we have to do it. And you have to think these are people that he's put work and time and energy into only to have them killed. And, and I don't, I just don't know how. So from 2015 to 2016, I stayed a pastor and the song was desperate. It was feeble, it was weak, it was trembling, and it, it, it continued to grow desperate every day. And this God that I thought I once knew was changing rapidly, and I didn't want to follow that God anymore. It's like I, it's like I was friends with someone for 20 years, and then one day they were just different. And so what I had to do is I had to leave. I had to trek down the mountain and go take care of business and I left my faith behind I went down the mountain to stay in the valley for a while and just feel it out and God started to become this thing that I didn't want in my life but it also became this mystery because if there was a God that was going to send a girl to hell because she was gay wanted a bigger God. I wanted one that wasn't going to send her to hell because she was gay. And so there's this weird point for all of us then, where sometimes we just have to sit in the fact that there's this mysterious potential thing called God and we don't know what to do about it. And it's okay to be there. I've had conversations with a lot of you about this idea of God being torn apart. Deconstructed is the word that we use. And I wonder if that's what Moses experienced on that mountain, the deconstruction of God. That God changed, and therefore maybe his response to God had to also. But a good story has a conflict I think a good story bounces back from that conflict too. In time, I've tried to exist in the mystery. I've tried to, tried to exist in it and I tried to run from it and now I'm at this place where I'm kind of coming back around to it. That there's this giant mysterious thing, whether it's the God of the Bible or a God of another religion or the universe or whatever it is, there is this mystery that exists around me that I can't help but want to lean into. And what I love 
What I love is that as this story goes on, Moses continues to go back to God in this place called the tent of meeting. And if I were Moses, I probably would have bailed out. But he keeps going back to this place called the tent of meeting to re-engage this God. And he goes back and he, he goes back to the camp, he goes back to the tent of meeting, back to camp, and then he has this interaction with God in, in Exodus 33. And it says, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and I have also found, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, I have found favor in your sight. Please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And God says, in what I think is one of the most mysterious and beautiful verses in the Bible, he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. There's this really interesting task that we have as people. That we move through this rhythm of ups and downs and it's always going back towards the ups that are the hardest, right? We have to trudge back up into the ups, like back to the mountains from the valleys. But I love that the response from Moses' God is rest. That for Moses to keep engaging this mystery is restful. That the hard work you put in, you will find rest. The last couple months, Matt and I have been having some really good conversations. As as for the last couple years, I was kind of this grumpy agnostic who wanted to belittle strict religious thought, wanted to tear down walls of certitude and, and, and certainty. And Matt and I have just been talking about this and there's, there's something about this story with Moses that as he re-enters and re-engages the mystery that God promises rest and, and I don't know what it was but the last couple months I've been re-engaging this mystery. I don't know if it's God. I don't know if it's, the, I don't know what it is but as I re-engage this thing called the mystery that we exist here together and there's something beautiful in that that I am finding rest. My, my ex-wife's dad's about to die, and yet I'm finding rest. Her and I just filed our paperwork on Friday, and I feel restful and content. My job is a hot mess right now because of the people I work with, and I feel rest because in all of it, I just look at it and go, this is one giant mystery, and if I'm being honest, I like being a part of it that I had to very honestly leave it and I have to very honestly re-engage it. And as I re-engage the mystery, I ask this question. Are you being honest in the mystery? Because the more honest I am with it, the more rest I'm finding. That whatever God is, I don't feel like I need an answer, but I feel like it's okay. I feel like as I re-engage the mystery of all of this and I'm honest about it, I'm rested. So Moses engages God in the tent of meeting, doesn't hit the complete reset button, puts some new things in place, gives them new commandments, and they go back on their way. 
God helps out Moses once again. He gives him help. He gives him commandments. gives him all these things for Moses to do, and things start to go well for them again as Moses engages the mystery. And I think for us, there's an honest piece of this that we have permission to engage the mystery however we want. But if we're being honest in it, I think there's rest. And it seems like to me that the the song then takes on another tone. It It shifts again. And I think that that sounds something like this. And if you so desire, please sing along as we're all in the mystery here together. my vision O Lord of my heart and not be all else to me save that thou art and thou my best thought by day or by night waking or sleeping my presence my light Thou my wisdom and thou my true word and I ever with thee and thou with me Lord thou my great father and I thy true son thou in me dwelling and I with thee one Riches I heed not, no man's empty praise. And thou mine inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure thou art. My King of Heaven, my victory won. May I reach Heaven's joys, bright Heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. I've found that as I engage this mystery, I'm having that same feeling I had back on the dock in 2014. I'm rested. It's going to be okay. There's this great big mystery that some of us might call God that we have permission to engage. So what I ask you is are you being honest in the mystery? Are you feeling the feels? Are you expressing what you need to? Are you feeling the rhythms and the vibrations and the ebbs and the flows? Because the only thing we can bring to this mystery is our honesty. And tonight we come to the table. This very mysterious meal to me. I don't know why I do it. 
I, I don't know why I step up here and dip the bread in the juice some weeks. But I like doing it with you. I like that it symbolizes some neat stuff. I love that it gives me a, ch- a chance to reflect and think. And so I'm going to invite you to honestly be a part of the mystery tonight and come to the table where you're all welcome and take of its elements. That you get to be honest in the mystery around us. Whatever that mystery is to you. Carrie will keep playing. And when you're ready, come take communion. I think the reason I continue to exist at CMYK is because the only space and place I've found where I'm actually allowed to be honest with all of this. I've had some conversations lately with old friends where I try and engage them in some of this and it just doesn't go well, and that's okay. Maybe they're just not being honest about the mystery, and that's all right. But if there's one thing for you to know about this place is that you can be honest about the mystery here. I think that's what I love the most. There's a story about Moses, and really it's all of our story. Sometimes God changes, and sometimes we should reapproach it. Who knows, maybe God's going to change again for me. We'll see. Thank you. I love you guys. You're wonderful, beautiful people. And I can't be good without you.